0: And just like that, she's free. Thank you. See you, Meng Wanzhou makes a deal. What that could mean for the two Michaels. Standoff in Chilliwack.
1: They have uh, snipers posted on three of the buildings.
0: The tense situation that triggered a major police response. And close the downtown core. And cases climb in BC schools. It's time for us to put our foot down and say, nope, you're going to school, you wear your mask. An alarming spike prompts calls for stricter safety measures.
2: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
0: Meng Wanzhou walking out of B.C. Supreme Court today, a free woman after a nearly three year long saga. The Huawei CFO reached a deal today with the U.S. government allowing her to return to China. Good evening and thanks for joining us. That plea deal is having an immediate effect on the case of the two Michaels. Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor have been held by Chinese authorities, widely seen as retaliation for the case of Meng Wanzhou. But just moments ago, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced both Canadians are on their way home.
3: About 12 minutes ago, the aircraft carrying Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor left Chinese airspace, and they're on their way home. They uh, boarded at about 7.30 Ottawa time, uh, along with uh, Dominic Barton, Canada's ambassador, to China. These two men have gone through an unbelievably difficult ordeal. Uh, For the past thousand days, uh, they have shown strength, perseverance, resilience, and grace, and we are all inspired by that.
0: And while the two Michaels are on their way back home now, we believe Meng Wanzhou is now on a plane headed to China after reaching what's called a deferred prosecution agreement pleading not guilty to U.S. wire fraud charges. In return, the U.S. government withdrew its extradition request. Rumina Dea joins us from Vancouver following Mung's appearance in B.C. Supreme Court this afternoon and to explain this extraordinary turn of events. Rumina.
4: Sophie, an epic day in three countries being watched by the world. As you said, Meng Wanzhou is finally free. A short time after leaving B.C. Supreme Court this afternoon, Meng headed straight to YVR. She's headed home to China, almost three years under house arrest in Vancouver. The Huawei CFO in tears as she hugged her legal team in courtroom 55 earlier in the day. Now, Meng walked out of court without her electronic monitoring bracelet the hearing lasted less than 15 minutes for the first time since the chaos began almost three years ago Meng addressed the media and the world over the past three years
0: my life has been turned upside down it was disruptive time for me as a mother a wife and a company executive But I believe every cloud has a silver lining. It really was an invaluable experience in
4: my life. I will never forget all the good wishes I've received from people around the world. Now, the day began in federal court in Brooklyn, New York. Meng appearing via video pleading not guilty to all charges, including bank and wire fraud. The U.S. entering into a deferred prosecution agreement, as you mentioned, Sophie. This means that all the charges will be dismissed December 1st, 2022, if Meng doesn't commit a crime or breach the terms of the DPA. Now, by entering into the plea deal, Meng has, quote, taken responsibility for her principal role in perpetrating a scheme to defraud a global financial institution, said acting U.S. attorney Nicole Beckman. So how does Canada fit into this? Meng was arrested at YVR December 1st, 2018, at the request of the Americans. Now, today's stunning developments mean that this extradition case is over. Now, Mung thanked the judge. She also thanked the public. She did not answer any questions from the press today, including a question about the two Michaels who we know are now on their way back to Canada. Back to you.
0: Much to the relief of their families and uh, millions of Canadians here. Thank you very much, Rumina. All right, now turning to the COVID-19 situation in B.C., and we have reached a bit of a milestone in the number of British Columbians who are fully vaccinated. We have 743 new cases in the province confirmed since yesterday afternoon. That pushes the provincial total to more than 182,000 since testing began. There are currently more than 5,900 active cases here, and in the past 24 hours, there have been seven new COVID-related deaths. 319 people are in hospital. That's down by 11. 149 of those patients are in intensive care, an increase of one. And 80% of eligible British Columbians are now fully vaccinated. Well, Fraser Health is declaring a COVID-19 outbreak at an independent school in Maple Ridge. 32 cases being reported among staff and students at Maple Ridge Christian School. It's the latest in a growing number of cases affecting children across BC. As Richard Zussman reports, outbreaks are increasingly affecting younger children.
5: A school closed in Chilliwack, more than 20 COVID cases at a school in Victoria. COVID cases across the province climbing among children.
6: I just find it amazing that the government isn't on top of this.
5: From September 1st until now, COVID cases have been going up among children, both in school. And preschool. More than a hundred new cases each of the last three reporting days. And when looking by percentage of all cases, young children have gone from nine percent of cases to eighteen percent.
7: I think what we need are stricter measures around masking. I think we need mandated vaccines for people who are in the age group to get them, and we need better air ventilation.
8: Unless there is some sort of extra mitigation added to schools, we will continue to see those numbers rise. The United States CDC finding
5: schools without mask mandates for all kids, kindergarten to grade 12, have cases at three and a half times higher than those with mask mandates. BC currently only requires masks for those grade 4 to 12. But the severity of illness does continue to be lower among children.
6: Yes, there
8: is an increased number of cases in kids, but the data from the U.S. and from what we're seeing, it's still showing that they're not getting hospitalized and they're not getting severely ill. The
5: zero to nine group still cannot be vaccinated, while kids 12 and older can be. Cases involving older kids have remained largely consistent over the last month, with younger kids now getting sicker than older kids at a higher rate. Overall, right now, kids account for about 30% of the total COVID cases.
6: Parents are making decisions about the safety and health of their children and their families. And they, they depend on government to provide that information to them. And this government has fallen short on that. The province is
5: committing to bringing back reporting COVID cases within schools, something taken away for the beginning of the school year. But the goal to have it announced by Friday has now come and gone with no details. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
0: All right, let's bring in Keith Baldry now for a look at where COVID cases are rising. Mm-hmm. And Keith, uh, the Fraser Valley was a hot spot throughout this pandemic, and we're seeing an uptick in cases there once again.
2: Yeah, it had been dropping the last few weeks until a couple of weeks ago. The cases on the rise again in parts of the Fraser Valley and Metro Vancouver. I'm going to show you two graphics now of where the hotspots are for just last week. Surrey tops the list in Metro Vancouver with 291 cases. Chilliwack has suddenly seen a serious explosion. That, of course, is the location of this closed elementary school there as well with a big surge of cases there. Abbotsford, Langley, and Burnaby, all in Fraser Health, showing the most cases in Metro Vancouver. Outside of Metro, uh, Prince George is leading the way when it comes to high COVID numbers. Low vaccination rates tied to some of these locations. Central Okanagan, that's actually lower than it has been for some time. They were close to 1,000 cases at one point. Victoria over here, where I am, we've never really had a lot of COVID, but there's been a significant uptick here. Some of it tied to schools with younger kids, as Richard pointed out, not getting vaccinated and being susceptible to the Delta variant. Kamloops and Vernon, again, the sort of South Okanagan, continue to show high numbers. So it's going to be interesting to as we chart this going forward, I think, again, more and more kids, as Richard pointed out, are getting tested positive with COVID-19. And that's going to be reflected in the hotspot numbers in the weeks ahead.
0: Hmm. We'll see how it turns out. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Right. Well, downtown Chilliwack is getting back to normal tonight after a tense standoff that saw much of the city center closed. All so police could deal with a suspect who locked himself inside a hotel room. John Hua has the story.
9: A dramatic scene unfolding in broad daylight in the middle of Chilliwack's downtown core. Well, somebody barricaded a house up in the Royal Hotel today with a gun, I think.
1: This isn't something you typically see often around here.
9: Chilliwack RCMP received a call at about 8.15 Friday morning for possible shots fired at the Royal Hotel on Wellington Avenue.
1: There was uh, a person identified uh, in a room in the hotel. Uh, Officers, uh, again, immediately uh, evacuated the hotel and and, uh, took everybody to, uh, to a safe place.
9: Outside, several blocks were cleared and cordoned off. The public kept a safe distance away. Nearby, the Chilliwack Central Elementary Community School was placed. On a hold and secure order.
10: Not every day you see the ambulances the fire trucks and the police and everything.
9: The police dog services unit and emergency response team took control of the operation. After several hours of negotiations, the police made their move.
1: The decision is made when uh, all other outlets of negotiation have uh, not been successful.
9: After a standoff that lasted about four hours, a 37-year-old man was apprehended under the Mental Health Act. Whether there was a weapon involved, RCMP says, is still under investigation.
1: The concern is the safety of the public, the safety of uh, our uh, officers, and the safety of uh, the the person uh, themselves. For
9: already struggling businesses shut down by the incident, Chilliwack RCMP says it understands their frustration.
1: They've really been inconvenienced today with uh, the cordon and uh, the events that have taken place, and, and we really thank them for their patience.
9: At the end of the day, police calling it the best possible outcome to a situation that shook Chilliwack's downtown to its core. John Hua, Global News.
0: RCMP on Vancouver Island are appealing for witnesses and dashcam footage after a road worker was killed and another injured by a suspected impaired driver. It happened just before midnight Thursday near Kip Road and the Trans-Canada Highway in Nanaimo. Police say a paving crew was working in the southbound lanes when a woman drove through the construction zone and collided with them. One worker died while a flagger was seriously hurt. The woman who was driving the white hatchback was detained at the scene. RCMP say alcohol and speed are believed to be contributing factors.
11: The driver who remained at the scene, was investigated for impaired driving, later provided two breast samples of which they failed, and will be pursuing criminal code charges for impaired driving causing death.
0: Three Vancouver police officers are facing assault charges related to an altercation during an arrest more than four years ago. As Catherine Urquhart reports, the suspect was seriously injured when he allegedly tried to flee police at a SkyTrain station. More than four years after an alleged incident, three Vancouver police
6: officers are facing charges of assault and assault causing bodily harm. The charges are connected to the arrest of a suspect near the Broadway and Commercial SkyTrain station back on May 24, 2017. Constable Brandon Blue is charged with assault causing bodily harm. Constables Beau Spencer and Gregory Jackson are charged with assault. Sources have told Global News that during the arrest, the suspect sustained numerous broken ribs. We're also told... That the entire incident was captured on surveillance video. BC Prosecution Service says charge assessment in the case was significantly delayed due to complexity of issues, volume of initial disclosure requests for further information, and perhaps most notable, receipt of additional disclosure. Vancouver Police would not comment on the charges, but in an email confirmed all three continued to serve as VPD officers. The case is due in Vancouver Provincial
0: Court October 25th. Katherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, the search is intensifying for a missing Squamish teenager. An overwhelming show of support from the community as members of the public joined in the effort today to find Richie Stelmack. What officials are asking people to look for next on the Hour? We're on the edge of the cliff. There's very little else we can add at this point. The healthcare system pushed to the brink. Triage plans put in place in Alberta. That's coming up later on the news hour. Plus. Ah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Forget the elevator. Dozens of people, including me, went down the Hyatt Regency Hotel today the hard way. We'll show you how it went later on the news hour. Right now, in Squamish today, hundreds of community members joined the official search for a 15-year-old boy who vanished from his home earlier this week. And Madagai has more on the outpouring of support in the desperate effort to find Richie Stelmack.
12: Leaving no stone unturned, an army of dedicated volunteers going door-to-door on Friday to check backyards, campers, and just about anywhere they could possibly find a clue leading to 15-year-old Richie Stelmack.
6: My grandson is the same age and a classmate of the boy. I mean, it's a small community, so all of our hearts are, yeah,
12: there. The Squamish teenager, missing from his family home in the Garibaldi Highlands since early Wednesday morning. The last time anyone saw him, he was going to bed. His family has said from the start, the disappearance in the middle of the night is very uncharacteristic.
3: Richie is a very shy
7: 15-year-old, so again, we don't know why he left.
12: Three days and still nothing.
7: We have a lot of uh, negative clues, so we have a lot of places that we know he didn't go, uh, but we have no positive clues. This is the area
12: search and rescue crews will be focusing their attention on. Starting tomorrow, it will be a technical search with highly skilled personnel looking down below this bridge into an area called the Masheter Creek.
7: We have rope teams and water teams that are coming in tomorrow to search those more specific areas that we couldn't search today.
12: Richie Stelmeck's disappearance has touched his entire community. On Friday alone, An estimated 700 people joined the search.
7: We are in communication with Richie's family every day. They are incredibly thankful for everybody who came out. They are overwhelmed by it. Uh, They did witness what happened today, uh, and they just want to express their thanks.
12: A public appeal for video is also working. Searchers now combing through hours of surveillance footage, hoping something puts them on the right track to bring Richie home. Emma global news.
0: A logging truck driver got caught in a rather tight situation in the B.C. interior today. This big rig loaded with logs somehow became wedged under the rail overpass at First Avenue and Lansdowne Street in downtown Kamloops. No one is believed to have been hurt, but the height miscalculation caused traffic chaos this afternoon, with drivers rerouted as crews work to clean things up and assess the infrastructure. Well, new developments in a high-profile alleged stalking incident. This guy's literally been following me in circles. Yes. Sentencing day for the man who was charged, but not for this case. Plus, a bizarre attack on the downtown east side. The unusual weapon officers discovered. Another typically
6: terrible evening commute over here for southbound traffic at the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge. The lineup starts at Westview Drive on the approach. Getting free stuff with more rewards points is easy, especially when you shop during the 20 times more rewards points event all this week at Save on Foods. I'm Trish Jewison and Global One at the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge.
13: Attention consumers. Having issues with scammers, price gougers, corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies? Help is here. And Rua investigates consumer matters on
2: Global News.
0: A Vancouver woman who videotaped a strange man following her through Chinatown earlier this year says she's disappointed charges have been dropped against the suspect accused of stalking her. Mohamed Majidpour was sentenced today, but not in that case. Nitu Karcha has more on why he won't be spending any more time in jail. Mohamed
14: Majidpour appeared virtually here at the Vancouver Provincial Court for a morning sentencing hearing. The 34-year-old man who was arrested in relation to this high-profile stalking incident in Vancouver on March 17th has had his charge of criminal harassment in relation to it dropped. Jamie Coutts recorded a video of her being followed that day for more than half an hour by a man she says relentlessly and silently pursued her through an area of downtown Vancouver. Majid poor pleaded guilty to multiple charges in relation to unrelated incidents in Vancouver and Richmond earlier this year, including mischief, breaking and entering, uttering threats and assault with a weapon. He was sentenced to one day in jail with 180 days credit for time served and 12 months probation with conditions including attending a forensics psychiatric outpatient unit for treatment not possessing any weapons, and no contact with four people, including Coutts. Crown counsel says the sentencing range appropriately reflected the criminal conduct of the offender, his moral culpability, and personal circumstances. But Coutts told Global News she's disappointed in the outcome and continues to feel unsafe when outside alone after dark. The VPD says she did the right thing by coming forward.
7: We have seen an alarming number of incidents throughout the spring and summer involving stranger attacks, random assaults and sexual assaults against people of all genders. This case is important because it shows that when you do make that decision to contact police to report a crime, when there is evidence that supports that crime, we can do a lot. We can identify the people responsible, we can lay charges and those people can be held accountable.
14: Majid Poor has no fixed address and court heard that he is addicted to heroin and requires proper
0: treatment. Nitu Garcha,
14: Global News,
0: Vancouver. Two women, including a well-known protester, have been charged with mischief after an East Vancouver church was vandalized this past summer. Vancouver police launched an investigation on Canada Day after orange paint was used to deface St. Jude's Parish and Shrine near Rupert Street and Grandview Highway. The church posted this video on its Facebook page showing the suspects in action, 27-year-old Zoe Luba, who has been associated with the Red Braid Alliance of protesters in the past, and Emily Luba. Luba are now both charged with mischief. They're due to appear in court next Wednesday. Police say 13 religious properties in Vancouver were vandalized between June 2nd and July 20th. Canada's Catholic bishops are apologizing for the church's role in the residential school system. In an open letter, the bishops expressed their profound remorse for the suppression of indigenous languages and culture, as well as physical, psychological and sexual abuses committed by members of the church. Sixteen Catholic church dioceses ran what were then known as Indian residential schools. In all, 150,000 First Nations children were separated from their families and sent, to institu- and sent to the institutions. Indigenous survivors, elders and youth have been invited to Rome to meet with the Pope in December. That raises the possibility of a papal visit to Canada as part of the healing process. Vancouver police are investigating an unusual and disturbing attack on a homeless man in the downtown east side. Police say a 22-year-old man was shot with an arrow just below his kneecap as he was standing near Columbia and East Cordova yes, uh, just after 8.30 yesterday evening. The man felt a sharp pain in his leg and realized he'd been shot. He walked a block, the arrow still in his leg, to InSight where staff called 911. It appears it was a random attack coming from a nearby fire escape. When officers went to investigate, they found a cache of real and imitation weapons, including a crossbow.
7: It's an incident that's specific to the downtown east side, and quite frankly, it's uh, uh, all too familiar that we're investigating incidents like this in the downtown east side. It's very common for us to seize real weapons and replica weapons from buildings here in the downtown east side at any time we can take... Um, weapons, whether they are real or fake, off the street is a win for us.
0: Vancouver police say the incident has echoes of an attack in July when a homeless man was hit in the head, chased, and repeatedly kicked in Yaletown. No arrests have been made in that case. Just ahead, funding is cut for a key weapon in the fight against overdose deaths.
5: We're all wondering why would this happen when we're in the midst of a, uh, you know, a provincial health emergency.
0: How some police forces are now footing the bill for naloxone kits. Plus, Alberta healthcare prepares for the worst as critical care reaches crisis levels.
6: Good evening. Traffic is moving well in both directions over here at the Massey Tunnel. Counterflow is out and you've got two lanes both ways planning a trip with BCAA travel insurance, you get free COVID-19 medical coverage and worldwide virtual care from BC's top choice. I'm Trish Jewison, Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
0: Well, the province is set to reverse a decision made more than 16 months ago. In April of 2020, the government told police forces it would no longer fund naloxone, the life-saving medicine key to fighting the overdose crisis. But as Kylie Stanton reports, the government is now relenting under public pressure. Whether it's in a vial or a spray, it may
8: not look like much, but time and time again this kit has saved lives. Naloxone is is a band-aid. It's a really good band-aid. It works and We have to have it in the toolbox. That's why for more than a year now, the Victoria Police Department has been finding ways to pay for naloxone kits and training out of pocket. Allocating $15,000 in its annual budget to fund what was previously covered... By the provincial government
5: it's a bit of a head scratcher we're, we're all wondering why would this happen when we're in the midst of a uh you know provincial health emergency
8: police departments were notified back in april of 2020 provincial funding for the kits was coming to an end but in victoria given the severity and frequency of overdoses in that jurisdiction running out wasn't an option
5: it made no sense For our police officers not to be equipped with naloxone to be able to reverse these overdoses and save lives.
8: Overdose deaths have been on the rise since 2016. Since then, 7,760 people have died from suspected overdoses. There have been more than 1,000 deaths in B.C. in the first six months of this year alone, making drug toxicity the leading cause of death for young people in the province. But without naloxone, those numbers would surely be much higher. And now that seems to have pressured the government to rethink its decision.
2: When it comes to ensuring uh, that uh, police departments across the province have access to naloxone so they can perform life-saving interventions with uh, those in in crisis, uh, that will continue and it will be funded by the provincial government.
8: It's a huge relief for police departments already strapped for funding. But for advocates, while grateful for the change of heart, they say much more needs to be done to address the need for safe supply. We need to move forward much quicker on on, um, policies that save lives. Because as it stands, the crisis is still killing six people a day. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
0: As hospitals in Alberta are increasingly stressed by the growing number of COVID-19 cases, fear is also growing that medical staff are about to make on-the-spot life and death decisions. Doctors say some triage measures are already in place. Global's Chris Chacon reports. With
11: the province's ICU capacity inching closer to its breaking point, major components of triage have already started. They're measures that disturb some Alberta doctors.
3: None of us, nobody in healthcare, uh, none of the nurses, respiratory therapists, doctors signed up to, to make those kind of decisions. That That's disaster mode functioning and and we absolutely want to avoid that if we can.
11: Dr. Paul Park says things like surgery cancellations and resource delays are not normal steps, but they are a type of triage. We're seeing those things now. Critical care triage comes next. That's when doctors would have to make on-the-spot life and death decisions.
3: We're doing things that are very extraordinary and not our normal procedures, and that's part of that stepwise steps that we've been taking uh, to, to, to the edge of the cliff. But we're on the edge of the cliff. There's very little else we can add at this point unless we slow the, slow the cases.
11: In a statement to Global News, Alberta Health says critical care triage has not been implemented and our hope is that we will not have to implement it. It will only be implemented if all efforts to increase ICU capacity are exhausted. That has not happened yet. And more help may come if needed. After a provincial request, the federal government promised help from the military and the Red Cross. The province says those measures are still just precautions. We don't need them yet. While we have critical guidelines on when we might need help, when critical care triage would have to begin, there's nothing set in stone.
4: There is no number that I know of. We've
0: never been in such a situation. So um, I think it's going to be best based on sort of the best advice and evidence that we can get.
11: It's new disturbing territory filled with difficult decisions. Chris Chacon, Global News.
0: Coming up, young people putting on the pressure. And they know that we're running out of time and we can't wait any longer. Hundreds rally for real action on climate change. Plus.
8: Final (laughs) words?
0: Thanks, Roger. (laughs) Going over the edge for a good cause.
8: Thanks, Hyatt.
2: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
0: Climate activists gathered in Vancouver today to demand action from the newly elected federal government.
5: It's time that we do something and it's our generation that's gonna do
13: something.
0: A few hundred young people, including high school students and members of Sustainability Teens, converged on Jackpool Plaza for a rally in solidarity with the global climate strike. The group is calling for Ottawa to stop fossil fuel expansion. And to implement the 94 calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Report.
1: Our generation, when we think about the future, we're not sure what it'll look like. There's so much uncertainty as to what it's going to turn out like since we haven't seen any real action in the past few years. And that's why we're so passionate about coming out here and really pushing the government and the people in power to um, hold them accountable.
0: All right, let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at our weather forecast. Boy, what a gorgeous day it was today. Hopefully we'll see a repeat tomorrow, at least for, you know, part of the weekend, Christy.
10: Yeah, it looks like our weekend is split in half, Sophie. So a great day on the way for us tomorrow. I put a call out yesterday for everyone to go and enjoy the fall colors, and boy, did you ever. Here's a look at some of the photos. This first one from Vanderhoof, Geneva, sending us that with the bright yellows, as you can see there as she's going down the road. Thank you so much. And look at this one from the Alaska Highway. I loved it. The deciduous trees lining the highway there, and you can see the dark green in contrast. Thank you to John for that one. And one more showing an array of colors in the through the Caribou region. So keep sending them in. Yes, you've got another day on the way for you tomorrow to be able to get out there and enjoy it. Today, it was warm. It was almost summer, like 27 with the X values out through Pitt Meadows, Abbotsford as well. It won't be as warm tomorrow, but at least we'll see the sunshine. The, currently, the jet stream is driving onto the north coast, and that's where we're going to continue to see the rain this evening, but it is going to shift a little further south tomorrow, so periods of rain for the central coast. For the south coast, though, sunshine, although we are going to see increasing cloud, by the evening hours tomorrow, but it should be dry. Sunday, not looking dry. Yes, wet and windy on Sunday, and that rainfall is going to continue on and off for the next several days after Sunday, and it is going to get much cooler as well. So get out and use tomorrow. If you have some gardening to do, some of the fall gardening, get out there and do that. Uh, tomorrow, southern BC will be nice and warm. Kelowna may even see humid X values up to 30, and for the south coast a touch warmer uh, away from the water, but 20 to 23 degrees in general. And then, yes, a big change on the way for Sunday. And then we'll see that into Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday also. Tonight's Central Windows weather window. One more fall shot for you, Sophie. And this one is from the Bridge Creek area, which is not too far from 100 Mile House. Uh, so thank you to David Reimer for that great shot. It looks gorgeous with all the colors mm-hmm. there. Okay, back to you now.
0: Beautiful time of year. All right, thanks, Christy. And it was a beautiful day to overcome fears and raise funds for a good cause in downtown Vancouver. Not looking, not looking, not looking, not looking. (laughs) Yes, that's me. That's what I did this morning, taking a deep breath and going over the edge of the Hyatt Regency Hotel in support of the Boys and Girls Club of South Coast BC. Dozens of people raised a minimum of $1,000 each for a chance to rappel down the 36-story building. Aside from the obvious adrenaline rush, many of the rappellers got involved today because they have personal connections to BGC.
6: We could tell you a million programs we offer, but what's most important is that we instill in kids that they matter, that who they are is who they're meant to be, and we just try to pull alongside them to give them every opportunity to just navigate childhood in a way that's going to help them launch into adulthood as amazing adults, and we see that in these people coming back to help to
0: to pay it forward to other kids. What do you think, your daughter?
1: Oh my God. (laughs) She made
5: me nervous. I was so proud. (laughs)
0: Okay, my mom's, I didn't tell my mom that she was going to be on TV tonight, so she's <laughs> probably mad at me. <laughs>
3: well, we all, we're all we all happy to see her. Yeah, see? She didn't go down the building with you, I'm guessing.
0: She did not. She watched from the bottom. I was a little worried about telling her because, you know, what parent wants to watch their kid on the side of and the And
3: how building? long did it actually take to go from top to bottom?
0: I think, like, probably about five minutes That's too long. You'd rather take the elevator, right? I would
3: take the elevator. 20
0: seconds from top to bottom in the elevator. Quite quite a bit I longer. I would
3: walk out and not. Uh, nothing would be missed.
0: Uh, thanks to everyone who donated. And donations are still open, by the way.
3: You're a brave woman. Thank you. Uh, one player a lot of people have been watching at Canucks camp so far is uh, Russian rookie Vasily Podkolzin.
13: I thought he looked really good yesterday. Uh, I thought glimpses of what I liked uh, in the game.
3: He is expected to make the big team right away, but he still has some work to do.
0: And later tonight, satellite debris goes to the dogs. about
3: uh, the Canucks? Yes, they actually play a game on Sunday in Spokane against the Kraken. The Kraken, although it won't—it'll be a lot of the kids and stuff. But still, they'll be wearing the uniforms. It'll The, be the rivalry Kraken's, begins. Yes, it'll be the Kraken's first ever exhibition game. Uh, actually, their first home game is against the Canucks too. The Kraken. Okay, so the guys who are missing on day one of Canucks camp, we're missing on day two, and that includes defenseman Travis Hamonic. Now, Jim Benning said the other day he would be at camp on Thursday but he didn't show up because of personal reasons and who knows what those personal reasons are. I know if you go on Twitter there are a lot of people speculating it's about vaccinations but that is just speculation right now. As for the guys who are here, today was a little more fun than day one. There were no bag skates and Barry was there to watch it all.
13: For the first time in this training camp we got to see some game action. White team versus blue team. For coach Travis Green, a chance to see his guys in action, perhaps put to use. Some of the coverages and drills they were doing in day one. Stuff that coaches appreciate, but hey, fans were looking for dynamic plays. And the stars early were the goalies. Thatcher Demko looked very solid, made a breakaway save. And at the other end, Yaroslav Halak, the veteran, made a great save off Bo Horvat. So they were in fine form. And a beautiful play on one of the goals for Team White, Nick Patan scoring the goal as uh, he looks for a spot in the uh, bottom six on this Vancouver Canucks hockey team. Also very notable by his absence today for the second straight day, defenseman Travis Hamanick. The Canucks say it's for personal reasons, but there is rampant speculation that it has to do with vaccinations or the lack of vaccination for Travis Hamanick. Is
3: there an update on Travis Hamanick? Nope. (laughs)
13: So this brief camp comes to a close tomorrow. They'll do it all over again with one more scrimmage, and then they will choose a lineup to go down to Spokane to play their first preseason game against the expansion Seattle Kraken. At Canucks camp in Abbotsford, Gary Delay, global sports.
3: Travis Green was in a hurry, but I do know for a fact they went out golfing this afternoon, so maybe he had his tea time and he had to go. He couldn't <laughs> sure, talk any more sure. about Hamannick. <laughs> the uh, Canucks are hoping Vasily Pod Colson can start the year with the big club on opening night and not have to begin his career in Abbotsford. Although I don't think it's such a bad thing if he does have to start with the baby Canucks. They're just down the road. He can get acclimatized to North American hockey there. But Travis Green says he does understand what they want of him and he thinks that Pod Colson can do what they want him to do.
13: He, he understands a lot more than I thought he would. Um, you can tell he's, he's focused. He, he, he understands that he probably needs to fast track a little bit. I, I, I was really impressed with his conditioning, uh, how he did in the skating test yesterday. I, I, I thought he might uh, struggle in that like some young guys do in, in their first camp. But uh, you know, it says a lot about how hard he's worked to, to be here. I'm always a little leery to put anything negative because people tend to take it the wrong way, but there's, like every young player, there's going to be things that he needs to work on, and and those are things that we have to talk to him about, but I thought he looked good yesterday. I thought he looked good today.
3: So right after the BC Lions game tonight against Edmonton, the staff at BC Place will have to take out the football field and very quickly put in a soccer pitch for tomorrow night's game between the Whitecaps and FC Dallas at 7. That game will be on AM 7.30, just like tonight's football game, which starts at 7.30. Uh, Both of these teams, FC Dallas and the Whitecaps, have fired coaches this year. They're both sitting out of a playoff spot in the West right now, but the Cavs have been playing a lot better the last two months than Dallas, which has only one win in its last eight games.
1: A couple of weeks ago, we were the last dog on the ball, you know, and now we, we made our way out and that was tough work. So we know where we're coming from and we're playing against a vulnerable team. They lost the coach, but, you know, a vulnerable team might be a very uh, dangerous one. But obviously with a win, we can probably end their season or mostly end their season. And that's that's a big goal for us.
3: D.K. Metcalf has uh, more penalties this year than touchdowns, three more than he has touchdowns, and he seems to be getting into it with defenders after plays. He says defensive backs have been chirping him a lot this season, tra- trash-talking, talking smack. I'm uh, sure the Vikings will try to gain on Sunday as well, but Metcalf says he's got to learn to tune it out. He should get one of those noise-canceling helmets if there is such a thing, but it's not easy sometimes for
10: him. I'm an emotional person. I play with, uh, you know, a competitive edge and, you know, I'm not trying to lose anything, whether that's an argument or a route or, you know, anything. So I'm just going to compete my butt off. But, uh, you know, like like I just said, uh, get close to the line, but don't cross it.
3: All right, Jays Jays and and Twins as Toronto is trying to get back in a wild card position. They're chasing the Yankees now, one game behind New York. This doesn't help. Byron Buxton with the two-run homer to make it 3-0 for the Twins at that point. Last check, fifth inning, still 3-0. Ryder Cup started today. Look at this shot. Jordan Spieth on the side of a hill. I can't even see the ball. And after he hits it, yeah, he has to uh, find a flat spot to stop. And if he doesn't find one soon, he'll be in Lake Michigan. But look where the ball ended up. One more look. Brilliant. I
13: know.
0: So the the little run though, was that just momentum? I think it was
3: momentum, yeah, the lake nearly sucked him in. Uh, The U.S. off to a good start, 6-2 after day one against the Europeans. Whoops, don't go away, there you go.
0: Don't go away, no, because satellite debris is next. I'll
3: stay right here
0: in this seat. You get to stay at the desk I know, that's cool. All right, it's Friday.
3: Yes, and uh, we're gonna have a lot of dogs on the show today. We like dogs. We do like dogs. Starting with um, GoPro has put out a uh, little—I guess it's a commercial or a video of all these people who have filmed their dogs. So that's where we'll begin on satellite debris.
0: I like the slow-mo of the tongue flopping around.
3: <laughs> I like the slow-mo of grabbing the stick. I thought that was cool. <laughs> okay, so more dogs. This is a Heinz commercial featuring all sorts of wiener dogs. Here we go.
11: Oh, I can't forget this evening or your face is you were leaving But I guess that's just the way the story goes You always smile, but in your eyes
4: your sorrow shows. Yes, it shows.
13: Hard to resist great taste. Meet the ketchups.
0: We don't have a lot of time, but I just have to say, ketchup does not belong on a hot dog. I agree. Omen laptops, McVitie's sweets. I agree. When
5: you're facing a distended large intestine caused by a parasitic isopod, you want the best treatment available. At the Mount Omen Clinic, our surgeons are leading the world in invasive surgery for one simple reason: every one of them is a gamer. They're scientifically proven to make 32% less errors. Increased hand-eye coordination, improved focus, better results. Let's gank this thing. The future of invasive surgery is here and you're in good hands. Gamer Hands. I'm not gaming for
13: me, I'm gaming for you.
6: Transcend humanity with OMEN. seriously guys we haven't
13: made this up look there's one in the arctic people call them the unicorns of the sea but ours is called humphrey
5: hi humphrey
0: and on that note have a great weekend everyone (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, mustard hot dog. Yeah, no ketchup. I relish
0: don't... is good. Well, relish is okay. Must-